Welcome back to the Gettin' Grit Podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. Going to request the release of a friend captured by the British during the War of 1812, Francis Scott Key was forced to remain on the British ship, the HMS Midden, during the British bombardment of Fort McHenry in the Baltimore Harbor. After 25 hours of intense firepower in the morning of September 14, 1814, the fort raised its large American flag in victory. The flag later became known as the Star-Spangled Banner, and it is today on display in the National Museum of American History. Francis Scott Key would go on to write the words to the Star-Spangled Banner from this experience. Roughly 36 years prior to the birth of the Star-Spangled Banner, 56 delegates to the Continental Congress finalized our Declaration of Independence, representing the people of our new nation with these words, With a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Our DNA of a nation, being all in, was created. The Constitution of the United States was written in Philadelphia in 1787 with these words, We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Again, our DNA was created. Our national anthem, of course, you know, the Star-Spangled Banner, is set to the original melody of an old 18th century English drinking song, of all things. The words, you know, were written by Francis Scott Key in 1814. It didn't become our official national anthem until 1931 under President Herbert Hoover. It's been played regularly at NFL games since the end of World War II, the same goes for Major League Baseball since World War I, the National Hockey League, Major League Soccer. They both require the National Anthem. The NBA has required it also, although there's been some pushback as of late by some owners and players who do not feel that it represents them personally as of late. Standing at attention, hat in hand on the sidelines or at any venue brings chills up the spine of many a ladder lassie waiting to enter the contest to compete and to fight for victory. It's our DNA. But on many occasions, the same stage has encouraged quite different responses from people disappointed. Tommy Smith and John Carlos raised fists in the 1968 Olympics as the anthem played. Colin Kaepernick chose to kneel as the anthem played. The song's reverence to our nation played, and the stage was set for people to share their angst. The same was true this past week when Gwen Berry third-place finisher in the women's hammer throw at the Olympic trials, turned her back as the anthem was played. Again, the song to old glory presented a stage. There have been moments in our lifetime when the stage has just been about those who perform the song itself. Jose Feliciano created an uproar in 1968 with his guitar blues-style rendition at the World Series in Detroit, and then Jimi Hendrix electrified the anthem in the same year. Marvin Gaye, of course, his sole performance in the 1983 NBA All-Star Game was a classic. 
But all was to be outdone by Whitney Houston's all-time performance in Super Bowl XXV. Errol Smith, Boston, they each had a go at it as well. David Lee Roth, Stephen Tyler, and of course the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, have stirred the pot over time with their versions. Sometimes the song to old glory has moved former oppressors to brotherly love. After the 9-11 attacks, Queen Elizabeth of England broke tradition and had the song played at Buckingham Palace. Then the next day, sing the lyrics that it was played on her request in St. Paul's Cathedral. Since 1931, we've had a lot of wars. Many Americans of every race have paid the ultimate sacrifice to keep the words of our forefathers alive. These men, their families from all races and creeds, and the like of men and women who have given body parts to victory, seen the horrors of combat so that someone on a track, a court, a field, or a ring could express their personal disappointment, it's often misunderstood in either direction. Abraham Lincoln said, Those who deny freedom to others deserve it not for themselves, and under a just God cannot long retain it. We are 162 years past these immortal words, and slavery is long gone. These are God's words recorded by St. Matthew. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Thirty years ago in 1991, when Whitney Houston sang the Star-Spangled Banner, at the 25th Super Bowl, she electrified the nation, which was just a few weeks into the Gulf War. Our DNA had life then. She released an album with the anthem on it, It went to number 20. It was re-released 10 years later, after 9-11, and it reached number 6, plus topping the Hot 100 singles chart. The song to Old Glory always presents a stage. You know, one man said, Whitney Houston sang with a voice that was carved out by God himself. Danielle Smith of ESPN wrote, Like the best heroes, Whitney, the black girl from Jersey, who worked her way to global stardom, makes bravery look easy. She is calmly joyful, cool, actually, and free of fear. And when she arrives at, oh say does our star-spangled banner yet wave, she moves to lift the crowd. These words are a question. They've always been a question. Yet she sings them like an answer. Whitney's version made it all absolute for a moment. Yeah, old glory is still waiting. It's still presenting a stage, trying to remind us all of our DNA. Happy birthday, America. Happy 4th of July. Ain't it so? As we close this story down, I hope you'll go to www.gritquest.com and consider getting involved with us, joining a quest, subscribing to this podcast, donating to our mission. Blessings to you all. Dominus Vobiscum. <laughs>